With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the Fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Hey everyone, it's uh, Tuesday and I'm here with Kirk Marks. Hello, Fin Fans. Kirk and I are going to talk some free agency. Um, we'll talk about the offensive line, we'll talk about the running back position, as well as the tight end position. Uh, before we do that, the Dolphins were awarded a couple of compensatory picks today. Uh, they now have 14 picks in April's draft. They were awarded a fourth-round pick and a seventh-round pick. So they have uh, picks 5, 18, and 26 in the, in the first round. They have picks 39 and 56 in the second round. They have picks 70 in the third round, uh, 141 in the fourth round, 153, 163, and 166 in the fifth round. Uh, they have 186 and 198 in the sixth round, and they have 247 and 252 in the seventh round. I believe that 252 is the very last pick in the draft, so Mr. Irrelevant will be ours, unless they trade it away. Uh, they are well stocked to uh, make a dent in our roster, don't you think, Kirk? Absolutely. With all that ammunition, we should be able to do something. I would hope so. You know, uh, they obviously, you know, like everybody says, they got to hit on some of these picks. You know, we, we need some, uh, we need a new Jason Taylor. Uh, you know, we, we need a new Zach Thomas. We need guys to come in and really make an impact. Hopefully they, you know, with Marvin Allen and uh, Reggie McKenzie and, and everybody else in the scouting department on board, they can uh, make some smart selections uh, next month. But uh, before they do that, they're going to have to fill out the roster in free agency. So I, I know you spent a lot of time looking at the offensive linemen, uh, specifically the tackles. Uh, what did you figure out? Well, I probably came up with everybody's obvious choice, uh, Jack Conklin. He's a, he's a right tackle. He's a definite upgrade to what we need. So we have need and upgrade. We, we need to do both of them. So I know he's going to cost us a pretty penny if we were to go that route. But there's also Brian Balaga, 
who is also a right tackle. He's a little bit older, but we might be able to get him for, you know, not not quite as much money as Conklin's going to get. But if that's the route we want to go, I think that we at least have to, in free agency, get two starting linemen. I think we at least need two to start the rebuild. All right. If you're you're going for two starting linemen, are you going for two top-tier linemen? I mean, I don't think that's realistic, do you? No, I don't think it's realistic. I mean, it it is possible. I mean, the reason I say that is there's going to be a lot of competition. And, you know, with the state of our team, I don't know that we would be the most attractive uh, location for somebody unless they're just looking to be assured a starting job. And obviously, these top guys are going to get a starting job anywhere they go. So I don't know what the lure would be to come here as opposed to, you know, one of the other teams that might be interested. That's that's really what I'm saying. Well, what I, I think is, uh, you know, besides the weather and, and no state tax and that kind of stuff that comes along with playing for right. Miami, they are building something. And these guys are coming off rookie contracts. Um, they're going to become a part of something that's going to be special. And, and, and if they come down here and things turn around the way we hope, might be the best situation for them. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, you got to hope they buy into that theory, you know, that that it is going to be special. Then really that would, uh, you know, I'm sure they would meet with Flores, they would meet with Greer, and they would have to sell them. But, uh, you know, I I don't know that they're going to be shopping at the top end of the free agent market. We'll have to see. I've said this before, but my theory with free agency is you, you, you sort of supplement your roster with free agency and you draft your stars Um, if you start buying your stars in free agency you end up with a depth problem uh, when your roster gets filled and uh, that's how i look at it nobody has proven me wrong yet you know Uh, so i don't know you know i mean obviously you have to pay some people some people are going to get paid but ideally you want to pay your own people uh, so you can keep your own people because you know the devil you know is better than the devil you don't We'll see what they do. I mean, uh, I think you and I both think that they need a guard. They they have to come out of free agency, I believe, with a guard. What guards do you think uh, would be attractive to them? Well, the main guard, uh, Joe Thune, is definite. If we came away with Joe Thune, we could draft a tackle. But if we're, you know, we definitely need a guard, and we need to we need to get a guard that's going to come that's proven. That, that can hasn't run had block. injury issues. <laughs> right. Big, and nasty, mean son of a gun, you know, that can get in there and move people. Exactly. And they're, and they're familiar with him. Yep. Coach Flores is familiar with him. So the, the guard is the most important position besides the left tackle, which we can, we have enough picks that we can draft a left tackle in the draft. But, you know, I, under the belief that we have to come away with uh, a young proven starter at some point at one of these positions. Yep. And what about center? Well, yeah. there's, a, there's a couple options at center. I'm not a, a big Kilgore guy, that's for sure. And neither am I, and uh, probably half our fan base is. No, nah, but there, there are two centers out there that, that I really like, and one was, uh, you know, we got all smoke screens and stuff, and he has been mentioned uh, that Miami might go after him, is New England's uh, center, Ted Karras, that took over for their injured center. So he's a free agent. You know, it would be nice if we could sign that guard, Thune, and then, you know, put Karras next to him because those two have played together. I mean, in a perfect world, that would be nice if we could do something like that. But there's also a center from uh, Detroit, uh, Graham Glasgow, and he's pretty powerful, and he's somebody that we could look into. It. The thing is, do we really want to go through another season with Kilgore if we don't have to? I don't, if I don't have I to. I definitely don't. The only reason I can see him staying, quite honestly, is because he is a veteran, and, uh, you know, he provides that leadership 
uh, role, you know, along the offensive line. But, you know, I, I, I really I really would like a better player in there, you know, somebody who is going to be a dominant uh, center because I think you need that in the middle of the line. Maybe I'm spoiled, you know. I watch Langer and I watch Stevenson and I saw what a difference they make and I just think it's, it's a key position that often goes overlooked. Yeah, and it's huge because they're they're making the calls. They're making the, the calls, and you know what? They're opening up running lanes, and they're they're impacting the running game. You have a good center, you generally have a good running game, so it helps. So that that's how I see the offensive line. And um, what about the uh, running back? How do you how do you feel about running back? I don't see us going after uh, a Melvin Gordon or a Derrick Henry. I don't think we're going to spend that kind of money for oh, those. You're backs. upsetting. You're upsetting people. I can feel it. I know I'm upsetting them, and believe me, I'd, I'd like to have everybody. I'd like to – every top person I'd like to spend the money on and get into Miami, but it's not going to be a, a one-year project, and, you know, we don't – we're going to have to save some of that cap space and put the money where we really need to have the money. We can draft a running back, um, but out of the running backs that, that I took a look at, I have Carlos Hyde circled because I think he would be a good fit. I don't think he'd cost us that much money. And we do need, you know, I, I do believe that we need a veteran because we don't have one on our team right now. Right. He's not and a bad another, player. And then we yeah, can, he's not we a can, bad player. Uh, yeah, he'd probably, he's, he's he'd a probably, nice player. He'd probably be around $3 million a year. Yeah, and he's only, he's only 28, so he'll be around for a little bit. Yeah, well, there, there's some tread off those tires. So, I, you know, I mean, he had, he had a decent year last year, so maybe he would be somebody they look at. Who knows? Yeah, he, he rushed for 1,000 yards and had six TDs, so he had a decent yeah. year. Yeah. But the rest of the running backs, yeah. But I really think they have to draft their running back, and I would think they would do that in the top third of the draft. I was thinking probably around pick thirty nine, right in there somewhere. That no, if they have a if yeah. they have an opportunity, and you know they were able to fill a couple other needs, that they could get a, a decent, you know, a real decent running back to uh, come in and you know team up with uh, Hyde, whoever we bring in. Because I'm not, I don't know about you, but I'm not sold on any of the running backs that we have now no i can't say that i am either but we haven't seen them behind the line that can open up our running lanes so it's hard to say that's true you know i, I mean a lot, a lot of people were really on Balage last year and I, I realize you know he runs like he's got cement shoes but uh it, it's tough to tough to make much of an impression of a running back when he's got nowhere to run the minute he gets the ball it really it really is tough to judge him so I'd like to see Balazs behind a little better line, but I don't think he's the answer, even even if he has a decent line, because he just seems to me not to have the vision. But again, it's hard to say when there's nowhere to go. I think it wears on a running back. I really do. So anyway, uh, you know, we, we had Drake here, and, and he ran okay, but he certainly didn't do what he did over in uh, uh, Arizona. Nah, it kind of hurt when he went and started doing that, and, our, and yep. Balazs didn't hardly do anything. So yeah, yeah. So it kind of tells you. Wonder if we made a mistake there. No, I, I think it says more about the offensive line. You know, do you think we made a mistake? Do you think Drake can be counted on to do that game in and game out? I, I don't know that that's the case. Well, like you said, we won't know because uh, well, we don't have him anymore, and we didn't have a line for him to run behind. Right, but Arizona has him. So I, you know, do you, do you think he'll be consistent? Because I, I don't. I, I just, I'm not a big believer. And I know Lou loves him. Uh, Lewis loves him. But I don't have the same love for uh, Kenyon Drake. So I, I believe, like I said, we have to draft our back. So looking at tight end, what did you see there? I look at the tight ends. I think that we're, 
pretty good with what we have. I mean, we have we have Jasicki as our number one. Uh, Smythe is our blocking tight end. We could upgrade, you know, a little bit for another blocking tight end. And uh, the kid that we got out of Detroit, Michael Roberts. Right. And I know that uh, the game we played against Detroit, I know he scored a couple of touchdowns against us, so he looked good against us. But then again, we couldn't cover tight ends back then anyway before Eric Rowe. Yes, exactly. We have not been known as a as a great tight end covering team. Um, yep. But I, I but, looked for specifically. I looked for a blocking tight end, and, and you, didn't, blocking, you didn't find one, did you? I, I I found one that's supposed to be decent. He's on the Steelers. His name's Nick Vanette, and okay. he's supposed to be a, a pretty good blocker. And you know, if we were going to upgrade for a blocking tight end, I guess that that's the only one I found. I don't know if. Uh, if there's any anything else out there, like you got your Eric Ebron's of the world and Tyler Eifert's and but I don't I don't really see us going down that road. Charles Clay. Oh, a lot Charles of name Clay. lot of lot of names out there we know, you know. You have uh you know, the top of the the, the top of the list you have Hooper and uh Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry. But I I don't know about you because we haven't talked about it, but I believe in Jasicki. I like him. I I'd like him to be more physical. But but I like him. I, I thought he, he uh, improved leaps and bounds. Now, maybe that was due to Fitzpatrick and not as much Kazeki. Uh, we'll see. Time will tell. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, was, I was much more impressed with him in 19 than I was in 18. Hello, everyone. This is Mike from the FinFans Podcast, interrupting the show just for a moment. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys a question. Uh, if, if I had a group of Dolphin fans uh, that uh, you could join that – spent time on social media discussing the team in a friendly, professional manner. Uh, is that something that would interest you? If it is, you'll want to come join our group. It's called Miami Dolphins Number 1. Uh, that's hashtag one. And, and not only do you get civil conversation and some great discussion, uh, but there's also contests and uh, games that we play. We have a suicide pool that runs throughout the season. We also have a weekly picks contest that runs throughout the season. There are prizes associated with those. Uh, we have random giveaways and raffles. There, there are prizes associated with those. Uh, we ask you to come check it out. Uh, you can um, sign up for the page between now and uh, April 1st for free just to sample the page. Uh, beginning April 1st, there is going to be uh, changes. will then be a subscription group. It will cost uh, $30 per year to join. Uh, and that will include all the activities that I just mentioned, uh, plus anything else we can come up with. So check it out. Come over there. Mention you're a podcast listener, and I'll make sure you get in uh, without any problems. And uh, we look forward to seeing you. Let's get back to the conversation. Yeah, but really, Mike, I you know when I looked at them, I didn't I didn't see uh, too many fits, or yeah. I didn't think we'd throw the money at the people that would fit. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I I kind of feel the same way. I mean, you know, it'd be nice to have you know some of these guys, uh, but none of them none of them here is a lock. I mean, you know, some of the, and, and the ones who you know can play are old. I mean, Greg Olson, what's he going to give you? You know, he's he's not going to make a difference at his age now. Uh, Tyler Eifert, what's he going to give you, you know? Uh, Charles Clay, what's he going to give you? You know, just, there's not a lot out there that, that you really want to jump at. That's what I see. Hunter Henry, maybe, uh, but uh, he's probably a guy that's going to command more than we would want to spend on a tight end anyway. So and, and, and an injured tight end at that. 
Right. And Eric Ebron is probably, to me, maybe the better of the two because he had some success in Indianapolis, right? He was a decent tight end. Yeah, the one the the season before last, he had 13 touchdowns. This year, he only had three, and he has uh, issues with dropping the ball. Well, well we so can't that, have that, right? No, no. We don't, we don't <laughs> they got to hang, hang on to the rock. Yeah, well, you know, they don't get him enough to be dropping them. Tight end's got to be sure-handed. Now, Tua Tunga Bailoa had his uh, physical, and uh, the word from his camp was that, you know, he passed with flying colors, and he's – you know, on perfect projection to be exactly where he should be next month. Uh, now, I think that because it's his camp, we kind of have to take their word for it, but it doesn't get me excited. What I am looking forward to is April when he gets on the field and shows what he can do. I think that at that point, you'll have a better idea about Tua and his uh, status for the draft. Uh, do you see it the same way or do you view it differently? No, I, I definitely see it the same way. Um, you know, like we had talked about before, of course, his doctors and his people are going to tell us everything positive. Of course. But until he gets on the field in April, when he gets on the field and throws in April, and if he's got, you know, decent movement to where he should be, then he could be the guy. There's, there's, you know, there's no doubt that everybody knows I'm a Tua guy, and I'm hoping that everything works out for him. But I don't know if I want it to work out too well because then – you know, everybody's going to want him, right? Everybody's going to want him, and, and the smoke screens and the price is going to, oh, man, it's going to climb up. And Well, let me ask you this, Kirk. If you had to give up both of your later first-round picks to, to get him, would you do that? 18 and 26? Right. Obviously, you're swapping five for wherever you trade up to, two or three, whatever it is. Well, it, I guess it all depends on the way you look at it. I mean, if we have conviction that that's our quarterback and we're giving up two ones, but one of the ones is uh, one of the Tunzels, then we're really, you know, we're not giving up our pick that we had. So we lose 18 and 26, but we keep our ones for next year and we still have our seconds. Right. It's, it's tough because it's, that's still pretty rich. You know, I would like to be able to try to keep that 18. Yep. Well, and, of course, uh, that's going to be the one they want, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they're going to want the, they're going to want the 18 and maybe, you know, it, it gets too pricey to get him and then you just take a chance and see if he falls to you and call their bluff. Right. But uh I don't man, I don't like giving up those other two picks. I could so give you, up you, I'd give would, up would one and work it? out something. Or what you're on the phone with them and they're telling you they want 18 and 26 and they ain't going to budge do you pull the trigger. And I and I feel that he's the franchise quarterback? Yeah. And how many chances do I really get to to be in a position to get the franchise quarterback? Um you know what? I'm a gambling man, and we're always too conservative. Yeah, you know what? I'm swinging the bat. If, he's, the if bat. he's healthy and I, and I think he's the guy, then – and this isn't going to make people happy either, Mike. We know that. But, yeah, I'll do it. I would do it as well. I mean, if that's the situation, if I honestly feel he's going to be a difference maker and uh, I honestly feel that, you know, this is a, a once in every five or ten year opportunity, then, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it. Uh because down late in the draft, you're not going to get the talent that you're going to get, you know, hopefully inside the top five. So, you know, odds are in your favor. Now, you got, you've got to make sure you've done your scouting and uh, that hip is not going to be an issue and uh, all the other things that they have to make sure. If it were me and, and I had to make that move for Burrow or I had to make that move for uh, two, I would definitely do it. 
I'm yeah. a gambler. You know, I'm a gambler. Because if you sit on your hands, what do you accomplish? You don't accomplish anything. I mean, no, this, Kansas this team City has got been their... sitting on their hands for how many years? You know? Yeah. Kansas City got their quarterback by gambling. Yep. Yep. And then so did the Jets, right? They they paid to move up to get Darnold and uh, Philadelphia, right? I mean, you know, it's what teams have to do. So if you have to do it, you have to do it. You can't cry over spilled milk. You do it and you live on. And if it doesn't work out next year, you find a way to get another one. That's the way it yeah, goes. We, and we have picks next year. Yeah, we have two, and hopefully we can get to keep them. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you know, you, you hope to. And uh, you, you hope that, you know, Tua falls to you at five and you don't have to pick up the phone, you know. But I think they'll have an idea what's going to happen in front of them. They, they investigate that stuff, you know, pretty good. So I, I think they'll know. I don't think he'll get stolen from them. Let's put it that way. If, if he gets taken before them, I think they pretty much knew he was going and uh, they allowed it to happen is what I'm saying. Exactly. So... We'll see. Maybe they like Jordan Love or maybe they like uh, Herbert. You know, you never know. But we'll, we'll get to all that as we start to talk about the draft. Uh, I just wanted to ask you about Tua because of the medical situation and, uh, you know, the, the onus you put on the uh, physical because to me it means nothing. It's just their camp. Uh, it's propaganda. You know, it, what matters is what he can do and I, we need to see that. And so far, he hasn't done it. You know, he's, he's, he's doing light activities, really. You know, he's throwing lightly. He's uh, just starting the physical aspect of recovery. So, you know, it, there's not much to know yet. Right. And I think uh, it's like April 9th or somewhere in there. Is when that's exactly right. Pro day. Yep, that's the date. reason I know that, it's my wife's birthday. So, <laughs> Well, that's one way to remember your wife's birthday. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just the date struck me because of that. That's all. So anyway, uh, yeah, I'm pretty good, though. I don't usually forget birthdays. I forget everything else, but not birthdays. So anyway, um, anything else you wanted to talk about on this quick show tonight? Uh, you know what? Not really, because that I, the fun's going to start next week. When, uh, because? Once we get this free agency started. Uh-huh. That's when the fun's going to start, because then we're going to be you know, paying big-time attention to what's going on. And that, that's going to tell some of the stories. It's what's going to happen in the draft also. Right. You have some quarterback movement. Right. Uh, you know, I'm going to be excited because I really want them to invest in a couple of linemen. So, so you want do, them to be I'd active be really in the first day or how are you looking at it? You, should they should they lay back and pounce late or should they be aggressive early and uh, go for the gusto? I think that when they start that tampering period, they're going to have a good idea the guys that they have targeted, what you know, what it's going to take to get them. And if you see them sitting back and waiting on like a, a Joe Thune or, a, you know, or a Conklin or a Balag or one of those guys, um, they're calling somebody's bluff. Right. They're not, yeah, they don't want to throw that money out there like that. Well, I mean, a, a guy like Conklin's probably going to have five or six teams after him. And, you know, he'll, he'll throw a number out there and half the teams will drop out because it's too rich for their blood. And the rest of them will be bidding. Yeah, and, that's true. Uh, you know, that's the way it works. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I I don't like free agency. I really don't. I know I know a lot of fans get excited about it. Uh, I think it's it's an evil thing. I hate to see our players leave. I hate to see uh, the enthusiasm that people have for new players coming in and then watching them not give you the impact that you expected because you know they got their contract now and the motivation isn't quite there and 
or guys are older and they start to break down. There's just so many reasons it doesn't work. And uh, uh, rarely do we see guys come in. We actually did a breakdown of this on the page. You know, rarely do we see guys come in and, and really make a big impact, you know, uh, or exceed your expectations. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah that's true. I, I, I think that I think this year is just a, a, a little bit different, though, because we cleaned our salary cap up. Right. And you know, we had that big need for that offensive line and they're, it just so happens that it's a year where some good rookies are coming off contracts, but they've proven themselves and they're healthy. So uh-huh. there's a, there's a chance if we, you know, invest a little bit of money in one of these guys, health issue has always been our problem. Every time we get a lineman, they get hurt and right. I'm tired of, you know, investing money in, in guys that are, that are old, that have had injuries and they never seem to make it very far. And then we're, just replacing them with other players that don't belong on the field. There's a reason why they're available, Kirk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, That's these it. guys, th- these guys, uh, these rookies, some of these teams have salary cap problems. So Right. You know, they're either might... too old or too expensive, one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I know, like you know, that there's some players that we've had that we had to let go because we just couldn't afford them. Sure. But they were good players. Well, so. uh, you know, there, we can we can go year by year and look at that. But I mean, obviously, last year we let a lot of good players go, uh, but we know why. So that was part of the rebuild. It is what it is, you know. We got to hope they know what they're doing, and that that was my my second point. You know, we had a lot of free agents come in and not do well, but we had some coaches that didn't necessarily put the players in the best positions to do well. So hopefully with this new regime we have and Coach Flores and his guys can get these guys in the right positions and, and really put together something that's going to sustain over the next four, five, six years. I think they can do it. And, I, and it seems that they're, they're coaching these players up. They're teaching them something oh, to get what they got out of the players that we had. Yeah, it was impressive. Their, their job last year was impressive. There's no doubt about that. But can you do it two years in a row? We, you know, we saw Sperano do it one year. We saw Philbin do it one year. Can you do it a second year? You know, can you build on that? And there's no reason to think that these guys can't, but they still have to do it and prove that they can. Yeah. All right. I, so with with that, Kirk, I, th- I think we're gonna. Yeah, it's something else you want to say? I was just going to say that, uh, and, and I know you are too. I'm behind him, and I. I I'm excited for them because I think they can do it and they will do it. I like Flores. I like him a lot. Uh, I think he's got the right attitude. Now, whether he has the skill, I don't know, but I think he has the right attitude. I think he, he reminds me of Shula, and I'm not comparing him to Shula. I'm just saying some of his mannerisms, like the way he doesn't tolerate penalties, that reminds me of Shula. Certain things he does reminds me of Shula. He's always talking about the next game and nothing more. That reminds me of Shula. So he, he has some tendencies that I like, and uh, hopefully, you know, he turns out to be a successful coach like Shula. So we'll see. With that, I'm going to go ahead and close the show tonight. Uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, Jim is flying out in the morning uh, to Florida, actually, and uh, that's why he missed tonight's show. And uh, Lou is in Ohio, and uh, these guys will be back. I, I think Jim will be back next week, and I think Lou should be back the, the week after. Uh, but uh, thanks for joining me tonight, Kirk, and uh, we'll uh, do it again next week. Thanks a lot, Mike. It's my pleasure, as always. All right, fins up. Fins up, everybody. 
All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the FinFans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Network.